You're listening to Unfiltered with Muhammad, a podcast about personal growth and authentic leadership. If you're looking for tips on how to manage others, get ahead, and make your way up the corporate ladder, this is not the show for you. This podcast is about being of service to others, leading from the heart, and evolving into a better version of yourself. Each episode brings you motivated stories about unfiltered leadership and authentic leaders, those who involve others, use their influence to amplify diverse perspectives, and inspire teams to achieve collective results. If this sounds like you, keep listening. Good afternoon and welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast. It's the podcast for transforming yourself into the leader that you need to become so that you can lead other people. I have my unfiltered guest with me today. Welcome to the podcast, Mary Henderson. So glad to have you here with us. Thank you, Mohammed. I'm actually glad to be here too. You know why? I don't know where this is going to go, but what I do know, it's going to be fun. So let's just go wherever you take me, wherever you want to go. <laughs> you know what? I want to go where you are because you're in Australia and I'm in, near Toronto. So I'm in London, Ontario. We've got snow and you don't. So no? I'll trade you places. Well, I'll <laughs> trade you places because my kids want a white Christmas. So, you know, like a, we, we always want what we don't, we, we always want what we don't have. For you. I'll take a picture Please. for you. We got our Christmas tree up and we got the oh, snow and welcome wow. to Canada. So, so glad to have you here. A bit of background for my listeners who Mary is. So Mary is an internationally recognized personal branding and social selling expert who helps service-based entrepreneurs, startups, business owners, and corporate executives commercialize their personal brand into industry experts. With over 18 years experience, she has been featured in many publications and is regarded a thought leader in the IT sector. Mary's point of difference is her personal branding methodology and algorithm. In today's economy, defining a person's uniqueness, values, passion, expertise, what they stand for and what they promise into a narrative and applying it across all communication touch points is key to advancing your career. To her craft, she brings thousands of hours of experience, knowledge, and wisdom in personal branding, client profiling, lead generation strategies, online course development, sales leadership content development, and digital acumen. She's also a heart-centered, compassionate, and tenacious entrepreneur who thrives in human transformation and witnessing people fulfill their dreams. And that's why she's my unfiltered guest today. So that's the only scripted part of the podcast. Welcome, it Mary. Sounds, I'm so excited to have you here. Anyway, thank you, Mohammed. Thank you. I, I love really do following it. what you do. I watch your videos. You're engaging in front of the camera. You're on target with, with the message that we need to hear today because we are our brand on two feet, mm-hmm. right? And maybe these days, maybe our brand with two eyes and two ears and a mouth because it's really virtual these days, right? But where I hope you can take us today and, you know, I want people to understand the importance of seeing yourself as a transformational leader, first of yourself and of others, and why branding is so important to that. So let's start there and help me unpack why is branding part of who we are and who we're trying to be online or in person? The first thing I think we need to look at is, you know, what does personal brand 
actually mean because it's so cliched everyone's talking about it based on their minimal experience but one of the reasons why I like to start there Muhammad is because for me it's a science it actually really is a science and I've proven that because I have a full algorithm you know that actually takes a, a human being through a process but in the in the in, at a very high level, if I was to answer the question, what is a personal brand? It's you, the human being, as a business. That's mm. simplified, okay? Now, let's look at how that uh, behaves or how that fits into a corporate environment, a startup, a coach, a consultant, a CEO of a multinational company. doesn't matter who you are. What matters is that you have the capacity to commercialize your knowledge, your wisdom, and your skill set as a specialist. And to me, that's where personal branding actually lives. Wrapped around that are all of the, the, the wonderment that makes up a human being, which I call the natural state of being. And then over and above that, there are other things like passions and what you stand for and all these things that make your heart tick. So when you merge all of those things together, you suddenly have something that's so different to the person next to you. The pain point, I think, for most people, Muhammad, is how do I articulate that? And this is, this is where most people can't cross over. This is the part that actually needs a lot of dissecting, hence why I've developed an algorithm around it, because that's the bottleneck for most people. A lot of people say, oh, I've built my personal brand. I've got somebody to help me with my personal brand. Look at me, me, me. Mm. But the reality is that's not a personal brand to me. It's just more noise. It's you pretending that you've got this brand. But to me, it means nothing, nothing if it can't be commercialized. So there's a really vast difference between the noise and the ones that are converting their brand into a commercial outcome. You know, I'm going to listen to what you say and apply it to myself here and putting myself out there. So here goes. We look through the lens as the subjective lens. We do all this hard work. And to your point, we brand ourselves. And, and I'm speaking because I've been going through this process recently. And because we've gone through this passionate growth and intense self-reflection and what does it mean when we put it out there, we think we've done something, we've accomplished something, but we rarely cross over and see, wait a minute, what does this mean to our potential client? What does this mean to the consumer, right? And you know, whether we're to your point, whether we're a startup, a, you know, an organization of 50 or 500 or 5,000 people, whether we're an individual coach or whatever, what people see when they see you has to speak and say, what's in it for them? What difference will we make? Whether we're buying an iPhone or an Android, whether we're buying mama's special chocolate or, you know, hugging from those, right? What, it's the brand that's going, we're going to, and you, you mentioned it, we make decisions here in our hearts, right? Yeah. We decide to, to purchase something. Yes, we think about it up here and think, can I afford it? Is this the right decision? But we end up going, I've made so many decisions just like this because I say, that's what I want to buy. I buy an iPhone, not because it's worth 1500 bucks, but 
I gravitate towards that brand because I believe that it speaks to me. And so we as entrepreneurs forget to speak to our clients and our consumers because we think we've done all the talking and we've done our work. But to your point, and now I'm doing up too much talking, but to your point, we haven't tried to solve the problem and bring a solution to our, our, our clients. And how do we move away from that subjectivity and move to where we need to, to really start thinking about our brand as what's gonna make the difference for our clients? I think there's a couple of things here. The first thing is that I think that that most of us have been brainwashed to feed the ego. And when you feed the ego, it's a constant hamster wheel. You're going around and around in a circle. You can see it, Mohammed. Look at the self-proclaimed um, influencers, even on LinkedIn. Most of those people are living on the poverty line. They are pretending to be famous, but they're not there's no substance because it's all about look at me, look at me. Now, I'm the reverse to that. I don't want anyone to look at me. I'm already comfortable in my own skin because I have a specialization. I can solve a really complex problem. I have a science behind it. I have a very high success rate. And my goal in my entire business, whether it's online or offline, is to give my prospects or my, the people that follow my work on social media, my absolute goal is not the sale. My goal is to give people an ecstatic Mary Henderson brand experience. Very different. We haven't been, um, we're not accustomed to that sort of thinking process because we believe in scarcity. If I give away all my secrets, mm -hmm. oh my God, no one's going to buy from me. Listen, when people get on a strategy call with me, I take them through a pretty rigorous process. It's really intense, high value. And at the end of it, most people are writing notes, 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 copious amounts of notes. And at the end of it, I just need to ask one question. Now that I've walked you through these moving parts that you must implement in order to get the success that you want, how are you going to do it? Because it took me 20 years to create this science. How are you going to do it in the next four weeks? And that makes people stop and think. So I am happy to give that information away because no one is Mary. No one understands how to do it the way I do it because no one's had my experience. So really, our goal must always be not even about what's in it for the, 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 the consumer, it's actually about how you want people to feel after they've experienced your content or the conversation. And let me tell you why that's powerful. Because I know that probably 99% of the people that I get to speak to on a strategy call or that touch my content, I know that they, even if they're never going to be my, my, my client, they will always speak highly of Mary Henderson because I gave them something that nobody else was prepared to give. Mm. And so the, we have to stop this notion of being frightened to give. I'm not afraid to give. You see how much content I give away every week. It's massive value, free masterclasses, no opt-in. You know, I do so much for people because I want them to experience 
my brand in a way that they've never experienced before. And it's not a coincidence, you know, why I've owned my space. I've got my piece of real estate on LinkedIn and no one can do what I do because I've put the stake in the ground. You can't get someone coming in now and saying, oh, you know, I do this and I do that. It's going to look a bit weird, you know, and I don't get me wrong. There are people that call themselves personal branding coaches that all of a sudden have got the hot pink and, you know, using my language. It's weird. It doesn't, it's not, it's just, it's not authentic because my vision and my philosophy is that my spirit and your spirit are having a subjective conversation and our spirits know the truth. Physically, we can use, you know, body language and all those tricks of the physical world, but spirit to spirit, that's heart to heart. You know, when you meet someone, you go, there's something not right. Mm -hmm. To me, that's my spirit poking me saying, it's not right, Mary. So my core value is truth. Therefore, whatever I do has to come back to that. Whatever I teach, whatever I give, it has to move people in the right direction, not in the wrong direction, because I'm in it for a, for a sale. I say more no's then yeses. People want to work with me. They throw money at me. And I say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. You do not meet my criteria. I have a very strict criteria. If you can't meet that criteria, I actually can't help you because I'm going to take your money and not be able to give you the results that you want. And that right. doesn't, that's not, it doesn't match my value system. So, we so it's have not to just your reputation. Yeah. It's your delivery strategy. You're yeah. saying, wait a minute, if you don't have what I need to help you get what you need. Wow. Correct. I, so that's I like that. My, yeah. Well, that's why my success rate is so high, Mohammed. It's I have a 90% success rate. I can, I can say a hundred, but I'm not going to say a hundred because the 10% that don't actually do the, 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 the work that's required, they're getting results, but not the results the 90% are getting. So I have a very high success rate because my criteria is very strict. If you can't meet it, you're out. And it's not because I don't want to help people. It's because I need the inventory to be able to get you to where you want to get to. Mm. You, you, you don't want to serve to the masses. You want to serve to people no. who are really invested in wanting to make that change. Okay, yes. so this begs the question, two questions. One is, what do you define as that branding? And you mentioned it earlier, and oh, I hate math. You mentioned algorithm. And yep. you know, today we talk about algorithm and LinkedIn and it scares a lot of us, but maybe you can unpack some of those, not secrets, but just the realities because it sounds like you understand the ins and outs and people like me maybe don't. So I'd love to learn more about this. I mean, I come from a tech background. So, you know, I, st I've st I started my career in the IT industry. You know, I had owned a software company for seven years. So my world has always been algorithms, essentially, and frameworks, um, user experience, all these, you know, buzzwords. But I've experienced these in my career. Um, one of the things about algorithms is that we need to understand not how they work we just need to understand how to feed it that's all it is it's all about what you put in is what you're going to get out and a lot of people try and trick the algorithm let me tell you the algorithm will out trick you always because every possible thought trick you can possibly imagine the algorithm's way ahead of the game here's the only advice i can give people there are no tricks just create awesome content that creates and attracts the right people to your post 
that then converts into a dialogue. You see, here's the difference between me and everybody else, Mohammed. I'm not looking for vanishing metrics. I don't care about that. I'm only interested in serving the people that I'm connected to. And that's it. That's my network. They are very carefully curated. I don't connect with anybody. I connect with the right people that I believe I can add value into their life, their day, their business, whatever, vice versa. So when I'm creating content, I'm creating for it exclusively for my network, not the 680 million people on LinkedIn. It's of no value to me. Mm. I'm not interested in being in 50 pods where I've, I get false engagement because that's essentially what it is. And I'm only interested in associating myself with people who can add value to my network or I can add value to their network, period. So when you see my post on LinkedIn, whether it gets 40 likes or 400 likes, I'm only interested in one metric at the end of the day. And that is how many leads did I generate today? That's it. It's all I care about. I don't care about how many likes, how many engagements. I will engage, no problem. But the only metric I am interested in is how many leads did I generate today? And out of those leads, how many converted into uh, a call and how many of those then convert into my pipeline because here's where I'm at for 2021 my pipeline is full that's what I was working on this year so so the start of January the 1st 2021 my pipeline is full I've got a lot of people that I'm nurturing to get my business where I want it to be in 2021 similarly I'll be doing the same in 2021, preparing myself for 2022. I'm working 12 months in advance, not 12 days in advance. So I'm not in a reactionary mindset. That's why I, I did a post about a week ago where I spoke about the power of patience. Patience can only happen when you're in control of your business and your life. So I'm a very grounded, you know, like just really, really think about, you know, my future i'm always looking at two three five years down the track how's it going to impact i look at my children how's that going to impact my son five years from now ten years from now i'm always looking at the long term never in the moment and 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 the reason for that is because i can put things in place i can prepare for myself come another pandemic i'm prepared what if linkedin closes down can my business survive hell yeah because i have an offline strategy as well so this is what people are not thinking, hence why self-proclaimed influencers, which is basically smoke and mirrors, they don't think like that. They're not scientific. They're just in it for get rich quick or get famous quick. And we must get away from that. It's dangerous and it's poisonous. You know what I love about you? Tell me. You're a straight shooter. <laughs> no, no, you know. Well, I, 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 I can tell you a lot of these things and you, you know them already. First of all, I love speaking with intelligent people and this isn't disrespectful, especially when they're women, because I, you know, part of what I do on this uh, platform is I want to ally and make sure that women's, the, the, women's voices are being heard. We don't have enough women leadership acknowledged, but a lot of women leaders, but not a lot of women leaders at the table and being acknowledged. So part of what I want to do here is say, you know what, shine. So you shine, you shine with intelligence, you shine with authenticity, no bullshit. What you hear is what you get, is what you see. It validates the experience. And I'll tell you, 
I feel overwhelmed because it is a rat race. I'm not going to lie and pretend that, you know, I don't get sucked into this. Can I, you know, keep up with the Joneses, we say here in North America, if you say that in Australia. And I'm sick and tired because I want to engage. Look, I've got Facebook and that's where I do my pseudo business and pseudo friends. Look what I have for breakfast. I've got Snapchat where I put on my filters and I get silly with a small group of people. I've got my Insta, which is dead. And then I've got LinkedIn, which I'm trying to grow a business. And that is, you know, and here you speak and it feels like LinkedIn is the place to build your business. But a lot of the times I feel LinkedIn has become Facebook mm-hmm. and I don't want to get sucked in. I took a hiatus last year and then I came back a year later and I feel I'm getting sucked back in because the vanity metrics say, if you want to get noticed and you want likes and followers, do this. But what I want is to make a difference in people's lives and I want to get clients and I want to make impact. And that's what you're doing. That's smart right. business. That's yep. business that's going to last. You've got not only a platform where you can exercise your voice, but where you're making a difference. And when you say, I know what I'm doing in 2022 because I'm doing a replica, building on what I did for 2020 and to lead me to 2021, that's, that's I don't want to say it's smart because you know that. But to sit on this side and to, you know, to hear someone articulate so with so much power and, and, and convincingly saying, I can do it. I am doing it. Just watch me. And I think that's what we need to breathe into it. It's actually my clients are doing it as well. We're all doing it. I'm Mm. teaching the system to people who actually want to replicate it. And they are. So the thing is that what my, my, my mind there is a lot of noise, but I know how to cut through the noise because I've actually created my entire LinkedIn strategy so that it works for me, not against me. And so I'm not, if, if I start um, belonging to 10, 20 pods because I just want to feel famous, what, what sort of a person am I? Like, seriously, I'm an adult. I, I'm a wife. I'm a mother. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I mean, can you imagine? You know, I haven't even been raised like that. I wouldn't know what, what, what it's like to be like that. I need to make sure that whatever I'm creating in terms of my invested time, it's delivering an ROI. I need to put food on the table. Okay, I need my children to be able to see a mother as a role model of the of of what it takes to be an entrepreneurial woman. Okay, I'm setting an example. I don't want to be like click click Insta Insta with my camera. What is this nonsense? I don't want that. That's not me, right? I'm you know even not only that, but the people I work with, Muhammad. This is another big deal. The reason why I have such a criteria is because the people I work with, they're the top of their game. I mean, I'm working with PhDs, you know, people who write laws, uh, top government officials. I mean, I'm working with a creme de la creme and I'm lucky that I'm in that situation. But you know what? I chose that, Mohammed. I made that choice. I had to ask myself, do I want to be in the bottom of the barrel? Oh, do I want to be the cream on the top? I want to be the cream on the top. I want to only work with those people who have any invested interest in themselves. They want, uh, it's a mature, respectful relationship, which is, ex- which is really important to me. And where, 
we're a team. It becomes a, t- a partnership, a real partnership, because the, the 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 results are critical for them and they're critical for me as well. So the time that I invest in my clients is my priority. So I can either go into that, hey, buy my online course for $99 or invest in working with me and way beyond $99. You know, it's a massive investment to work with me, but they get the results and they get an ROI pretty quickly. So there's a big difference there. So I'm not interested in the 650 million. I'm only interested in, in, in my time returning something at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, because COVID has been a gift for me. It's actually mm. been the most amazing year I've ever had. Now, okay, would that have happened without COVID? I don't know. But the point being is that I still maintained my integrity. I still maintained uh, my, I was stayed in my lane. I was very clear on my messaging. I was very clear on who I wanted to work with. There's, I didn't divert. You know, I didn't do dancing tricks and all that stuff just to get attention. I don't need attention. I'm not interested. I have no interest in that. I just want to own my little piece of real estate on social media and that's it. It's all I need, that little, little dot and everyone else. And there's there's quadrillions of dots available. You just have to want to own it. You know, if I'm walking down the street and I see all these shops, I get to choose where I want to go buy my coffee. That if I exactly. want to enjoy and really have the coffee that makes me feel like I've earned it, it's 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 a pause in my day. It tastes good. It makes me feel good. It brings back memory. Whatever. It's it's an experience. I get to choose that. If I want to go to these sixty cafes that line up one street and kind of sample then all I'm going to get is just a sample. I'm not going to get the full thing. And I think the important thing that I'm hearing here, and I'm, you know, I'm learning about who Mary Henderson is, is yes, you're, you, you get to choose. And yes, you're elitist. And I don't mean that in a, in a, in a bad way. Yeah. But I think we have to be because life yeah. is short. Yeah. And we should choose the experiences that yield us the best outcomes. Because it's not about the vanity metrics. It's not about how many likes. It's about what impact do you have? And, you know, it's so true. It's not, you're right. It's not even about what am I doing for that person. It's how am I making them feel? Maya Angelou, right? It's, you know, how are you making that person feel at the end of the day? And people will always come back to you because you make them feel good. They, they will remember that, you know, and it has an impact. Where does, where do you get your passion? Where, what, you know, was there a moment that you woke up and said, I'm going to do this all the time? Or is this, what got you so bang on on doing it this way? I, uh, you know, what, I, I'm a very mathematically minded person just to begin with. I can with. see it. I can yeah, see that. I'm, I'm so mathematical, you know, I'm binary zeros and ones, you know, I just is my normal. It's an, oh, and from, from a really young age when my, you know, all the five-year-old girls were playing with Barbie dolls. I was playing with calculators. Like, she just, it started really young and my parents were like, ah, this one's going to be a little bit weird. I know my parents were like, well, why don't you play with dolls? Like, why do you need a calculator? And I'm like, I just like the numbers. I was just obsessed with numbers. So that process really played out in all my life till this day. The other thing I want to share is 
you know, I have this tenacity, like in, built inside my DNA, this um, resilience that you know, I very rarely see in people. And I think that those muscles are created through adversity. So I went to a school that was very Anglo-Saxon and both of my parents are migrants, they're Europeans, I have olive skin. I didn't, you know, I had, you know, different lunches to everybody else at school. 98% of the school were Anglo-Saxon, 2% were others. So I spent almost every lunchtime on my own for six years. That's a long time for a kid from five to 11 to be on their own at lunchtime. You know, I was a little bit on the chubby side. I had olive skin, you know, I had thick eyebrows. You know, my parents would put, put lunch in my, in, my, <laughs> in my bag with thick bread, you know, the ciabatta bread with salami. And I mean, it was, it weirded people out. So I spent a lot of time, Mohammed, in, you know, in my primary years at school, being very anxious because I was like, you know, I was really uh, like, I, I didn't, I didn't have strategies of how do I, how do I work with these people? Like, how do I become a, like them? And so then what happens is you become a target for the bullies. It's easy to bully people like me because my parents, they, my mum would say, here, go and take a cake to school and share it with them. And then they'll like you. That was her strategy. So I had to develop this resilience inside of me. So that resilience was like, I'll show you guys, you know, when you'll see me one day, like it was, that was the inner dialogue I was having with myself as a young girl. I was journaling at the age of 10. Like I spent more time in my imagination than actually in my body. Like I was, it's been my normal for a very, very long time. So then, you know, I start my career. I, I you know, I'm, I did extremely well in the IT industry. I then transitioned, had my own software company for seven years. I started from an idea, turned it into a seven-figure business year on year for seven years. Then I had my second child, and that's when the turning point happened, Muhammad, for me. So, and it, I remember it. It was 8th of September, 2011, three hours after my little boy was born, that was the moment when my whole life changed. I knew in that moment that I would resign from my own company. I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment that I was, I, I, I didn't start that company because of the love of software, but because I wanted to prove to my parents again, see that little girl coming out that, oh, oh, I'm successful even though I didn't finish my degree because my parents had that over my head for such a long time. And I realised that essentially I bought myself a job. That was not why I was on this earth for. So I took 12 months off. I, I actually did resign from my company. I merged it with another company and then I basically left. And I took 12 months off, the first time ever where I've never worked. And so I took 12 months off. And I had a mentor who was a professor in philosophy at Oxford University. I had another mentor who was an expert in the emotional body. And also at the same time, I did a, a quantum medicine course at Quantum University, which is in Hawaii online, because I had to understand who am I at my core? Not who am I as a self-help book, I didn't want that anymore. I was done with self-help. I didn't want motivation. Get me out of that place. I needed more. So I got my philosopher mentor 
And he took me on this amazing inner journey. And his first words to me were, Mary, the journey you're about to embark on is not Girl Scouts. You have to be ready for it. I said, I'm ready. I've never been more ready than ever, than ever before. But that 12 months would then change my whole life. Because what I realized in that 12 months, Muhammad, is that I had unbelievable gifts that other people didn't have and couldn't express them and articulate them and do them like I could. They might have had the same gifts, but they couldn't do it like I could do it because I had this scientific mind and I could just glue things together, bang, and I get a result. So what I did is at the end of that, I said to my mentor, do you know what? I am brilliant at three things. I can just do it with my eyes closed. I don't need a book. I don't need to, I could just do it. And so I said, I wonder if I could package those three things together, if I could solve a problem. And what happened is that I could, because personal branding for me started in year 2000. I was playing with it. I turned what I could do into a science. Um, digital and creating digital assets, well, that was my business. So I knew how to create frameworks. I knew how to take a client through an experience on a journey. And I knew sales inside out. So I merged those three things together. And now I, which is my, which I now call my vocation. But the business that I'm running today, after that 12 month period, I, it took me three years to design my system and that's supported with frameworks, the science of what I do. Three years, Muhammad. And it wasn't until 2015 that I actually launched my coaching business. So from 2012 to 2015, think about it. I just locked myself up just designing these frameworks, which is the algorithm, all of the stuff that I do today. And 2015 is what got me on this journey that I now happen to call my vocation, but it's not really my vocation. It is my mission. It's exactly what I'm, I am meant to be doing this. There's no doubt in my mind. That's drive. I, you know, when I talk to you, I don't hear a sales pitch. I hear conviction. I hear knowledge turned into action. And I hear intelligence from hands-on experience. And, and, and you know, we need that. We, we don't, I, I bring it back. We don't need vanity metrics. We don't need the click, you know, because, you know, and I just find, we're talking LinkedIn, so right? So we can focus on LinkedIn because I think it's where your yes. business lives. Yes. You yes. know, I just get tired, because, as I mentioned, because of the rat race, but also because I don't think it makes sense. There's got to be more value in here. And at the end of the day, I don't see myself as just a plastic two-dimensional picture that I post and that's supposed to say who I am. And, but you, you know, I want to ask you, give the listener an experience of who Mary Henderson is in that relationship. And also because I'm eager to know, by the way, but I want people out there to know when they work with Mary, what is so different than when they work with somebody else? What do they get? What is that experience? And because you're talking mathematically here and, and, and algorithm, I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, I think that my clients will say, you know, if, you, if you're not ready for someone like Mary, don't work with someone like her because if you you have to be able to cope with tough love. So that's the first thing. And I've I always- I feel it, like, Mary, I feel it. 
And the thing is, Muhammad, and I'll tell you why I'm like that, because I'll say to all of my clients, even in our weekly coaching course, I refuse to feed your ego. I refuse to do that. So you go and speak to your ego and get your mom and your sister and your husband or wife to talk to your ego to make you to, so you can hear what you want to hear. But I'm not doing that. That's not my role. My role is to get you to your destination in the shortest time possible. So when I work with people, I build very, very strong relationships with everyone I work with. It really is a partnership in the true sense of what a partnership really means. It's very heart-based, very confidential. Um, I'm all in, they're all in. You know, we have that agreement. Um, you know, nothing's a problem. So if I see that they're, they've got a bottleneck, I'll take over because I don't want them spending time on things that are not natural to them. So I have every resource has been developed to make their life easy. I don't want them spending time developing a website. We've got the resources. I don't want them spending time on creating all these Canva templates. We've got quadrillions of Canva templates that they can download. The frameworks have all been designed, which is the how-to. This is how you do it. All you need to do is just individualize it. That's it. Once you've done that, implement. So it's very much the process of working with me is unpack, uh, define. Un so you're refining, you're defining, you're unpacking, implementing, go to the next step. So you're constantly moving. This is agile. Like this is really software development. This is the mindset mm -hmm. of a software development company. It's all about agile. It's about you've got to keep moving and implementing, refining, defining, come back, refine, define, come back, refine, define. So this is my whole mindset in the way that I uh, that I work with people is just about movement. Get moving so we can commercialize you as soon as humanly possible. And usually they're they're commercializing their you know their offer or their solution by about I don't know anywhere from week twelve onwards because there is a specific way that I get them to start that process. Look, a lot of them do exceptionally well. You know, in that before they even finish working with me, they're already in monetization mode. But that is the most important outcome for me because. When my client makes their first sale, it changes their whole trajectory of how they see themselves. That's why I want them to get to that destination as soon as possible because their whole demeanor changes. For the first time in their life, they're actually not just making money, but they're also seeing that they bring massive value into the world and that value is reciprocated in what we call high-ticket you know, solution selling. They're selling their solution for thousands, not for an hourly rate. It's a different mindset altogether. So it really is a shift just psychologically. Um, and it's, it's, it's magical. I mean, you know, I can't explain it to you. Like even for me, when I sit back, I'm like, whoa, this is just amazing. So I must be doing something right. <laughs> now, is it, are you building their confidence? Are you giving, you know, what what is the main impact that you're doing? Because to me, it sounds like you're helping them reshift and put their focus where it makes sense. But you're also injecting them with, you know, with, with that notion of, I know what I'm doing. I have confidence that I'm doing it right. 
And I'm looking around, maybe I have to be agile because others are doing it, maybe doing it better or doing it differently, but it's a doggy dog world out there. I need to do it differently myself. And that comes back to the branding that we talked about, right? So if I want to stand out, if I want to offer that high ticket and you know, you work with me because this is what you'll get, it comes back to that personal brand, doesn't it? It, it starts with a personal brand. You mm. see, you just raised a very important question. The problem for most people that aren't monetizing is that they lack the structure. That's it. Because most people will say, I've got a mindset issue. Listen, you ain't got a mindset issue. I can assure you that. I can prove it to you. And so there's this, this idea that they have this mindset issue. Oh, I've got a mindset issue because I can't make a sale. The reason why you can't make a sale is because you're focused on lead generation. Lead generation is the effect of the cause. Listen, there's 24 macro frameworks that must be implemented to make lead generation work for you, not against you. So most people are starting at lead generation. But when I ask the question, what do you do? Just tell me in five words. I don't want any more. Just five words. And then give me the 45-minute version. If you're going to give me the 45-minute version, how are you supposed to be selling if you're, you're, you're selling everything in the kitchen sink? I don't want that. I just want one thing. See? So it's the infrastructure. So that's what I give them. I give them this entire infrastructure. They don't have to figure it out. It's already been figured out. And that's, that's the difference. Amazing. You know, again, you're a straight shooter. I feel that I, I can't even ask you this next one because it almost sounds a little silly because you've unpacked so many tips and tricks that really help us go to the next level. But I do have to ask you, which is what I call the unfiltered thought of the week. It's, it's the time where I ask the guest, what is one thing that Mary Henderson can tell me or the listener to do differently to help our brand stand out and just, you know, to, to become a better person, more heart-centered, a better leader, but to really do it from the perspective of, of branding. You, you only need to sell one product that solves one problem. That's it. What I, what I see a lot of, and especially the people that I work with, they're PhDs, masters, they've got, they're so credentialed, it's not funny. I have one client, her, her credentials are that thick. I mean, she's got them in a folder. She's showing me. I'm like, it means nothing. I don't care. It means nothing to me. So what we need to do is you've got to get clear on that one solution. When you understand what that looks like, then you can start the business and then you need to build the infrastructure to support that. That's the, the infrastructure is where the key is. The other thing is don't start at lead generation. Lead generation should always be the effect of the cause. So as I said to my clients, the way that we do our lead generation and our selling, we're actually not selling ever, ever. In fact, the other day I was talking to a prospect and she said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to you, but at the same time, she said, I'm mesmerized because you're selling, but you're not selling. I said, exactly. So she said, wow, I've just learned so much in just, in just listening to the way that you're walking me through the process. So lead generation should never be about selling ever, ever. You should never be selling anyway. So lead generation should always be the last, that should just be a natural effect. 
okay? And everything else is before that. So that's the only tip I can give. You start with the one solution and get clear on that. Thank you, Mary. And, and I'm glad to see that it's not just the client that told you that you're selling without selling because I've been feeling it throughout the podcast today. You know, you're, you're spot on. You take all the filters off and you really say, look, this is what you've got to do. And if yeah. you don't do it, you're going to miss out. And, you know, people will continue chasing the vanity metrics because they think that's where it lies. But to the point that you said earlier, at the end of the day, you got to put food on the table. You got to make a positive difference in the world, right? Exactly. And you've got to have a business that even in the worst of times, for yeah. an entrepreneur to say COVID was a gift that I was able to build my business, oh. I, I, I got to hand it to you. And that's the strength. And again, I bring it back to what really inspires me, you know, women leadership. I, I've got a daughter. I want my daughter to be able to look up and say, I can say to the world that's slamming doors in my face because of my gender and I can break them down. Absolutely. And that I think is a brand in, in itself is to be able to have the, the, the confidence and the skill and the yeah. gift like you do, but what? not to chase not to, to chase people, but people are coming to you and saying, "Exactly, I want, what I you want got. to work with you." I want to work with you. But the other thing I want to mention is, outside of people work, working with me, it's how my children perceive me and the relationship I have. I have two boys, a nine and a ten-year-old. What a and role they, model! Well, they just think that I'm kick-ass. They're like, "Oh, you know, don't mess with my mom. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to mess with my mom. <laughs> you know, you know." She, they laugh at me. They just go, "Hey, mom, how many followers have you got today on LinkedIn?" Like they just they mess with me, but they, you know, they're like. I mean, the, the way that they speak to me was with such huge respect, not as their mother, just as a human being, mm. right? Forget about this whole roles and labels. You know, we, I treat them like humans. We have conversations. They understand um, what it means to be an entrepreneur. They think like that. They, you know, um, they're constantly coming to me for advice about, hey, mom, how do I do this? Or how do I do this on the computer? So we have, so to set a role model as a woman to boys, to me, that's really important because I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday. One day they're going to be maybe someone's you father, took the maybe, words out of my right? mouth. someone's yep. husband, someone's yep. partner, someone's boyfriend. You know, one day I want the parents of their girlfriends or whatever, you know, gender they decide to go with. I want the parents of their partners to say, what amazing boys these are. Wow, they've been raised really well. And it all comes down to respect and just the fundamental basics in life. Thank you, be kind, you know, please excuse me. All those basic things. I mean, they are basic. Well, you know, you're building trust with them. And whether it's as parents, we want so desperately to raise good people, good human yes. beings. Right. Yes. And especially, you know, as a parent, I look to the other gender. Like I want my boys to be equally like what you're saying about your boys, but I look at my daughter and I want her to also be the best because I know this isn't a woman's world. It, it's not a, a place where we can feel genderly equal and equitable. Yes. Right. And yes. so, you know, to you're building that trust with your children, but when we come into the confines of, of the workspace, we need to build that trust with people that we work with. And 
Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I, I can take so much of what you shared today and apply it and apply it in my business. We're going to have an offline conversation, but I want to thank you today for thank being you. so unfiltered, for being so genuine, and just for being so you, Mary. Thank you very much for thank being my unfiltered guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Unfiltered, the show about authentic leadership and personal growth. Like what you heard? Click subscribe, share it, and tell a friend about it. And don't forget to leave a rating.